Well, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about the future this morning. Um, let me tell you where I get the sermon title from. When the burden becomes the bridge. I read a story uh, not too long ago, actually, of a man who was watching the, an ant. You know how ants are always carrying something bigger than themselves. And this ant was dragging along a leaf many, many times bigger than itself. And he was going along the sidewalk. And the reason that the picture fascinated the man was that he saw that the ant was coming to a huge crevice that he couldn't possibly get across. And sure enough, the man comes to the crevice and abandons the, the leaf and starts going up and down looking for a way across. And he can't find a way across. And then the ant went back to the leaf and shoved the leaf over the crevice, got on top of the leaf, walked across the crevice, and then drug the leaf on. The burden had become the bridge. We can go to heaven because the burden of Christ, his cross, is our bridge. We also can reach new spiritual heights in this life by bearing those things that are our burdens and watching God turn them into our bridges. If you have your scriptures with you, turn to the 16th chapter of the Gospel of John and we'll see how the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us to that crevice and calls us over. First of all, I want you to see that all life is filled with burdens. It's just how life is. Jesus didn't tell us anything different. He never promised anything rosy. It is filled with problems. And in verse, in, in, chapter, in the 16th chapter of John, he begins in verse 1 by telling them they're going to have problems. Look at it. It says, these things I have spoken to you that you may be kept from stumbling. I want to tell you ahead you're going to have problems, so you're not surprised by them. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he's offering a service to God. Do you ever have somebody in your life that was really causing you all kinds of grief, but he thought he was doing it for God? Yeah. Sometimes the roughest people in our life think they're doing a great service to God. And Jesus said, this is the way it's going to be with you. And then he said this, and these things they will do because they've not known the Father, really, or me. But these things I have spoken to you, that when their hour comes, in other words, when they happen, not if they happen. It's not if you're going to have problems. It's when you have problems. It says, when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And that these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But you see, I didn't have to warn you of the problems because I was here. I could protect you from them. But he says, but he says, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask, where are you going? That's a great question to keep asking, by the way. God, where are you going to be in these problems? Where are you going to be? That's a great focus, isn't it? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. That's, I can never quite get my mind around that. 
It is, to your, it is to our advantage that we don't have Jesus here physically with us. He says, because if I don't go away, I, I can't send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can't come to you. But if I go, I'll, I'll go away, I'll send him to you. Now let's talk about this life that we have that in its norm are trials and tribulations. We have this character in us that wants to make life comfortable. And some of us get pretty close, by the way. Some of us have arranged our lives so that we have almost no burdens. And we think that's what life is. But after we get there, we sense the emptiness of that. If you have a life that can avoid burdens, you don't have a life of great significance. Our life... This earth was not meant to be heaven. I hope everybody understands that. We're not to heaven yet. This isn't heaven. This is a great wilderness wandering. And of course, all of us would like to arrange the wilderness so that it's not really the wilderness. I read another thing the other day. I thought this was funny. There actually is a place in Wyoming called the Bridger Wilderness Area. A couple years ago, they asked people who who frequented the area to hand in comment cards on their experience. And of course, people are always looking to improve their lot. And so these are some of the, this is some of the feedback that they got in this wilderness area. The trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. Too many bugs and leeches, another one said, and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid the area of these pests. <laughs> Listen, I, this, I love this one. Chairlifts need to be in some places so that we can get to the wonderful views without having to hike to them. Here's another one. The coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake, please eradicate these annoying animals. Here's another one. A small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there a way I can get reimbursed? Another one. A McDonald's would be nice at the, at the trailhead. Another one. Too many rocks in these mountains. And another one, especially for those of you who, who know we're talking about pioneering the distributed church. The places where trails do not exist are not well marked. <laughs> you see, there is that voice in us that thinks that if we can just arrange life appropriately, the wilderness won't be the wilderness anymore. But the wilderness is the wilderness. It says in 1 Peter 4.12, Why are you surprised when so many fiery trials come upon you for your testing as if something strange were happening to you? In other words, that's the world. That's the world. Because suffering and burdens and affliction and trials, watch this, it's the main point, are the main 
route of redemption for us. Are the main route of redemption. Those very trials we have in our lives come from a God, the only God in the universe, but no matter how many gods other people believe in, this is the only one who claims to have ever suffered physically with us and for us. Only one. And so, we are the people, the only people who embrace suffering as a vehicle for redemption. All the other religions try to either overpower it or avoid it. Not us. There are philosophies that say that that makes us a religion of weakness. When I was on the island uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, some man came into a little general store that's on the island wearing a t-shirt that said, Nietzsche is peachy. Peachy was spelled like Nietzsche only with a P. I said, that's an interesting t-shirt you have on. I was with a group of people. He said, oh, you know Friedrich Nietzsche? I said, yes. He said, well, I think he's peachy. <laughs> I did not follow that comment with what I wanted to say because I did not want to embarrass the group. But for those of you who do not know Friedrich Nietzsche, Nietzsche was the one who wrote the philosophy, uh, the philosophy upon which the Nazis built their movement. It was the philosophy that only would embrace strength, that would leave the weak as a matter of strategy to fend for themselves or eliminate the weak altogether. Because they believed that this Christianity stuff, this compassion stuff, was foolish. They believed that embracing the suffering was not productive. They believed that it made us not want to be strong. They believed that man, if he had any chance at all, was to be the ubermunch, the superman, and that we should abandon God. As a matter of fact, it is Nietzsche's phrase that said, God is dead. Fortunately, God said, no, Nietzsche is dead. <laughs> Christianity embraces suffering while knowing that it is a part of God's compassion. We embrace affliction while knowing that God can build something even better than if it had never been there. Now many times in the middle of pain, we get confused because things are not as they seem. One of the most profound verses in all the Bible is in Lamentations chapter 3. It says this, Lamentations is just after Jeremiah, because they're the Lamentations of Jeremiah. And it says this, verse 31, it says, For the Lord will not reject forever. I want you to know, those of you who are suffering, those who are bearing a burden right now, whether it be yours or somebody else's, this too shall pass. You need to hear that today. This is going to pass. The Lord 
will not reject forever, for if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. Now, look at this. This, this is the most curious phraseology, but the most profound verse. For he does not afflict willingly. In Hebrew, it means he does not afflict from his heart. One of the things that people just picture as they're going through burdens and as they're going through suffering is either God is not in control or he's too weak to, to, to stop suffering or God has a mean streak in him and he's really punishing me until I straighten out. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. The afflictions of God are his method, not his heart. And the afflictions of God that God allows in our lives, the burdens that God allows in our lives are so that we can see his compassion, so that we can see his grace, so that we can come closer to him. That's tough to understand. But conversely to Nietzsche, Malcolm Muggridge, after he'd lived 75 or 85 years, I can't remember, said, you know, as I look back in my life, and some of you who are old enough to do this could say the same, as I look back in my life, the most profound, meaningful, significant times in my life were the times of suffering, not the times of happiness, not the times when everything was going all right, but the times when I could love those who needed it, the times when I could feel God's love when I needed it most. I want you to think with me for a minute as you consider your own burden this morning. There may be an event in your life that you feel like you have to carry in, and in a way you'd do almost anything to get away with it, get away from it. I mean, you just think, can't I ignore this? Can't I just do away with it? I just, just, I don't want to face this. There may be an event or a circumstance in your life that you're thinking about leaving right now, just leaving it alone and going on with your life. There may be a person who's suffering. There may be a vision that you have. And you say, why am I dealing with this at all? I'd just rather like get a bologna sandwich and sit in front of the TV. Why am, why am I doing this? I'll tell you why you're doing it. God gave you that to take you over the crevice, to take you into the future. That's the very thing he's going to use to take you into the future. Consider with me just for a moment, just a few of the biblical characters. What do you think Noah must have felt while he was building the ark? This odd vision, this huge boat for which he had very little help. Something big enough to handle all of the species. It wasn't raining when he was building. Or if it was raining, it rained and then stopped. Don't you think, time after time, he wished he could have said, God, I wish you hadn't told me this. I wish you hadn't... I wish you hadn't shown me this. Why did you call on me to do this? 
Why can't I just quit? But he didn't quit. And it was that very burden that he climbed on top of. And those he loved climbed on top of in order to carry him over the destruction. What do you think it was like for Joseph, whose brothers threw him in a pit? That was one of the most horrible times of his life. That was one of the most wonderful times of his life. Because from that pit, he was transported to the place where God would make him second in command to the mightiest nation in the world. He went from the pit to the place. The burden became the bridge. What do you think he felt when he was unjustly thrown in prison? That was one of the most horrible times of his life. That was one of the most wonderful times of his life. Because from the prison came the provision. Not just for him, but for those he loved. And for others he didn't know. The burdens you bear many times become the provision, not just for you, but for those you love. And for those you won't even know. What do you think it was like for Moses? Who was the prince? of the mightiest nation in the world. Do you think he ever would have left that nation without the great burden of the sin of killing someone? When he did that out of emotion, he had to run in fear. That had to be one of the most horrible times of his life. But looking back, it was one of the most wonderful times of his life. Because in that fear and in that sin, God took him into a wilderness where he could eventually speak with him. Many of you right now have been put out of an area of strength and wonderful provision of your life, and you're wandering around in the wilderness right now. You think this is one of the most horrible times of my life. I want to tell you this. Listen to me this morning. No, this is going to be one of the most wonderful times of your life because your burden is going to be your bridge. What was it like for Samson? Strongest man in the world. But Samson had a weakness. He had two, actually. One was his vanity, and the other was his lust. What was was it like to be a warrior for the Lord, so mighty, the mightiest warrior for the Lord around? And he gets himself into such a place that he is blinded. And all of the source of his strength, the symbol of his strength is cut off. That had to be One of the most horrible times of his life. That was one of the most wonderful times of his life. And let me tell you why. Because in the 16th chapter of the book of Judges, 
verse 22, it says this. I love this verse. For those of you who feel like you have been shorn of all of your strength, it says, however, the hair of his head began to grow again after it was shaved off. (laughs) And you know the story. They bring him out to make fun of him. And he is blinded and he requests to be put near a pillar. And of all of the people, all of the enemies of God he had killed in his life, this poor, humiliated, blinded victim of his own sin says this, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines who are all crowded into this amphitheater. And he bent with all his might so that the house fell on the lords and all the people who were in it, so that the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed in his life. Some of you feel powerless right now. Because you are under the weight of so great a burden. You are by no means powerless. God always puts us in a position because he is a God of redemption that can make the very thing that is the burden in our life become the bridge, not just for us, but for everyone. In Acts 4.11, when it was referring to Jesus, it said this, the rejected stone became the cornerstone. Those things we'd like to leave alone in our life right now are the very things God is saying, don't you leave those. Don't you leave those. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus said exactly that. He said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Your cross is the burden that God has allowed you to have. Your cross is that which looks like it can only harm you, but it will burn away those weaknesses of the flesh. It will transport you and others into the future. And Jesus followed by saying this, you know, he who would save his life will lose it. And he who would lose his life for my sake will find it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul. If you could make life comfortable, so what? If you could make life without adversity, so what? What would it profit you if life could be comfortable but insignificant? You wouldn't. You're in a place right now 
If you have a burden where you're paying a great deal of attention to God, good for you. That's the way it ought to be. I know that because if you belong to Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. And the Bible says, John 16, 13, 14, 15, that he is leading you into all the truth. He's leading you to see the big picture. And he doesn't speak on his own. He brings back what Christ is. And he brings back who the Father is. And how the Father is going to find you in this mess. <laughs> Again, we have crosses. We have events or circumstances. We have people. We have visions that weigh us down. And I want to tell you one of the three things is going to happen with that. One of the three things is going to happen with your cross. Number one, God may take it and make it into your main strength. It could be very, very possible that God is going to take that weakness you have and make it into the main strength you have. That happens when we break a bone. Many times the place that is broken is so healed and the calcification so strong that that broken place becomes the strongest part of the arm. There may be some of you who are going through things right now who have been broken in place and you say, I will never be broken there again. And you won't. <laughs> It'll become the strongest place in your life. There are times, though, there are times when God doesn't make it stronger. When, at least for now, it's not getting better. There are times when he keeps it the same. And you say, why is this happening? Think for a moment. Why isn't Mandy getting better? The girl that we love who's in a coma. Why isn't that happening? Again, you've got, to, you've got to see bigger than Mandy because God sees bigger than Mandy. Mandy always saw bigger than Mandy. Do you know how many parents are appreciating and thanking God for the health of their kids now that weren't before? Do you know the hundreds of teenagers that are looking at this girl that they love and they're saying, you know, it dawns on me I'm not immortal. That life is fragile. And at any given moment, it can change tragically. Do you know how many people are praying who weren't praying before? Do you know the good that comes out of a situation not immediately being made better? Or God could make it worse. I know you don't want to hear about that this morning. But he does that. I called a friend of mine the other day who has cancer. I said, how you doing? He said, worse. I said, are you under, going under treatment? He said, nope. Letting it come. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. When God lets something get worse, it is for the purpose of making an entire New transition to something entirely other than what you've been going through. 
This guy was saying, because he's just, through this cancer, he came to Christ. Cancer was the best thing that ever happened to him. Absolutely the best. And he knows where he's going. And he's saying, look, tired of this. Want that. I'd be right there with him. Come on. Make it worse. <laughs> because it says in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 4.17. For this momentary light affliction can't be compared to the eternal weight of glory. <laughs> So those of you who are going through difficult times right now, I want you to know that God is going to use those times. God is going to use those burdens. You need to hear that. I need to hear it. And he's going to find you in them. I read a story not too long ago by a little girl who had gotten lost in the wilderness. There's one right here, as even as I speak. She was wondering, she just was, and you said, wandered off, and then she panicked, and she was going up every trail, every trail, every trail, crying, couldn't find her way back, got herself real lost, and night fell, and she was so scared, she sobbed herself to sleep. All of the chaos, all of the frightening Creation around her looked like it would overwhelm her, and she sobbed herself to sleep. Well, of course, there was a search party out. Her father was among them. They searched all night. Just at the break of dawn, it just so happened that her father was one who saw her curled up on a trail, and he broke into a run. And he, he started to shout her name. And she woke up and she said, Oh, Daddy, I found you. <laughs> Pray with me. God, some of us are just curled up in a ball this morning. We know, though, we are not abandoned in this position, that it's, it's you who are searching through this danger, through this turmoil, to find us, to make yourself known so that we can hear your voice, so that we can someday say in the middle of our lostness, Daddy, I found you. Thank you, God. And thank you for our affliction. Only those of us who know the depths of the spiritual nature can say that. But along with Job, along with that voice that shouted to you words of trust from the ashes and the sores, we want to say all that we have is yours. And that's the way we want it, even the hurts. Amen.